0: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.
1: You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is the original crew. No more Providence hyenas. They're busy celebrating their win over Butler. But alongside me is Taylor and the Shark. We're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you You use your college Hooper of the week is someone that we'll be referencing later on in this episode. It's Nate Walters, a former Jackrabbit. Some great stories that we have coming for you. We interviewed uh, his former teammate, Clint Sargent. So he's going to give you a little peek behind the curtain about what it was like living with Nate and being a teammate of his. We're brought to you by Royal Digital Marketing, a.k.a. RDM. RDM specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups. So if you need a website, contact them at colin at royaldigital.co. I'm telling you, any small business, whether you're a painter, you could be an accountant, whatever it is, Colin is your guy. Again, contact him at colin.co at royaldigital.co make sure to check out the website at theaterincollegehoops.com and you can also follow us at cbb theater you should also follow me at b 232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow my guys here taylor at taylor damel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore bb let's open the curtains Over. Step back. Ah! And a brother. Young, safe, and Washington wins it. On a last second day, Cole Wood. DJ, 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 DJ. All oh, hate to shoot. Paul, the runner. Boys, we have an awesome interview with tourney bound coach Clint Sargent from Wright State. We bungled a lot of facts, but again, we're not numbers guys, we're not facts guys, we're jazz riff guys. Okay, so there's no point in delaying this any further. Let's jump straight to Clint in our interview with him. Okay, we are very fortunate now to be joined by associate head coach from the Horizon League champions, the Wright State Raiders. And former player, Clint, Sergeant Clint, this is obviously the first time that I've interacted with you that we've met, that we've spoke, and yet somehow I already owe you an apology. Now, I know you said you listened to a couple of our previous episodes, which we certainly appreciate, but let me play a clip from last week, and I'm going to offer you my sincerest apologies. Here it goes. I am a Wagner guy. You shouldn't be pumping your fist. I'm trying to get Clint Sargent, who's a friend of Matt Gaton's, on the program. He's an assistant coach for Wagner, Taylor. So, mm-hmm. ah, so uh, that you are not well, an assistant coach for Wagner. You're an assistant coach for Wright State.
2: That is correct. I, I can see maybe the mix up with the W there. Um, but nonetheless, I'm, a, I'm appreciative to be on the show. This is actually uh, my first podcast. So this is kind of my, uh, I'm grateful to kind of have the opportunity to speak through an exciting week and and just kind of dive into, I guess, all things Wright State and Clint Sargent. Yeah,
1: I mean, we're the lucky ones. This is a very unique opportunity for us. We have someone who's going to be dancing, who is going to the NCAA tournament. A lot of great questions. I would also add to my confusion about Wagner. You're also both green so uh, credit to me for taking accountability, but at the same time, you did uh, deserve that <laughs> apology, Clint. I, I'm sorry.
2: Forgiven, for sure. <laughs> Forgiven.
1: Hey, I want to start with this real quick. Uh, we do a bit of research. We pride ourselves on doing some research prior to you guys coming on,
3: except for where he coaches. Yeah,
1: That's other right. than that, yeah. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> totally
2: discredit yourself there. Outside bad. of that,
1: outside <laughs> of that, when you're directed to your page at Right State on the Right State website. The first photo on the slideshow is you and the rest of the coaching staff barefoot. Can you provide a bit of context on that?
2: Sure. Uh, that comes from my boss, uh, Coach Nagy. He, he's been with Samaritan's Feet ever since uh, he, he and his wife Jamie adopted their daughter Naika from Haiti, uh, and they got involved through an organization called Samaritan's Feet where, where basically they go back. and they, he, he took a team back at South Dakota State to Haiti and they do a shoe distribution Uh, and we do some locally every year here in Dayton, where we, um, we, we basically wash their feet, give them a new pair of shoes. And so we, we do that game once a year just to raise awareness, fundraise. Uh, And it's honestly one of the, you know, in terms of a coach, one of the more rewarding experiences, opportunities to kind of dive into that relationship with your players and give them a little perspective. Um, so yeah, one one of the the better parts of our program, quite honestly.
0: Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, just to kind of dive into, I guess, your path to get to uh, where you've gotten to right now. Tell us a little bit about like your basketball history. Um, I know that you might have an accolade or two from a, from your alma mater uh, there. So maybe just dive into kind of uh, your your life and how basketball fits into that.
2: Sure. Yeah, I'm current or originally from Sioux City, Iowa. Uh, went to bishop Hill, uh played for tom betts there uh and thankfully had a, had a good enough career where, where coach Nagy uh recruited me uh and that's when i headed north that's just two hours uh north um from sioux city Brookings, south dakota uh where south dakota state is uh that's where i played my collegiate career um you know had uh, met my wife there. She actually played for the, the, the women's team. Um, and thankfully from there, uh, went overseas and played a couple years in Germany, uh, played professionally and really enjoyed my time over there and had every uh, really ambition to continue to play. Uh, loved my experience. My wife and I, we enjoyed living over there. But Coach Nagy, uh, they, they just uh, started the director of operations um, spot at South Dakota state. And I knew I wanted to coach. I knew I wanted to coach ever since I was in high school. So it was a great opportunity to kind of get my foot in the door, uh, you know, kind of bypass some entry level positions, the GA, uh, and get a full-time spot at a place that I loved with people I, I loved. Um, and we jumped at it. Uh, and then from there, I was director of operations for a few years and then coach Nagy got the job at Wright state. And, you know, thankfully he asked me to come as an assistant coach. And, you know, we've been here, we just are on year six now. Um, you know, we've won five, five championships. And, and it's really just been, you know, that first year as an assistant coach, you're learning so much. Uh, and I've just been surrounded with some great people, uh, some great assistant coaches who have just kind of taught me uh, how to do the job. And Coach Nagy in terms of just being a leader, he's taught me so much. Um, you know, and now it's a little surreal. I'm I'm sitting here talking to you guys, uh, and we're in the NCAA tournament. Um, so it's gone fast, but certainly as you look back, uh, all the different stops between, uh, Sioux city to Brookings to Germany, now Dayton, Ohio, um, the the basketball side of this has given me so much, uh, and it's been, uh, you know, a fun journey.
3: Well, don't discredit yourself too much, right? You shouldn't be too humbled, really, to be speaking to us. You should be humbled about the NCAA tournament <laughs> appearance. I mean, we pride ourselves on bringing in the guys that are like you, you know, all-time leading three-point shooter from 10 or so years ago, not trying to age you or anything, but we—that that, that sure. is our wheelhouse. Those are the guys that we're looking for. We love college basketball. We're probably relatively the same age as you, and we, we latch on to individuals like yourself. Having said that, I'm about to discredit us again like Suby did at the top. We did have... Chris Lofton, a lights out three point shooter, on this podcast once before. Where do you think you would stack up in terms of stroking the ball? Because I know your alma mater is lighting it up from three this year as well. What what is it? Two part question. One, are you a better shooter than Chris Lofton? And two, what is it about South Dakota and shooting the basketball? Uh, South Dakota State. Excuse me. I don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers out there. But what, what, what do they teach sure. you guys?
2: You know, I, and I gotta set the record straight. I don't know if I'm I I, I hold the record anymore. I think I, Mike Down passed me up. Retelling Houston might have passed me up, um, so I, I think I got passed up there. Um, but to answer your question, you know, we we talked about it before we got on air. You know, there's not just a ton to do in South Dakota, uh, but the one and it's cold. But the one thing you can always do is find a gym. Um, so you know, you see so many Upper Midwest kids kind of have that built-in skill set. Uh, and it's just something that's valued at a high level, uh, up there and had good coaches. Uh, and I think Chris Laughlin, there's no way, you know. I, I was blessed with some some good coaching who gave me a ton of freedom. Uh, you know, looking back, because my guy, the guys always grilled me about, you know, some film and this and that. And I just can't believe some of the shots I took. So, Coach Nagy gave me, a, you know, quite a bit of confidence and freedom to jump up and shoot it. Um, but yeah, to kind of burst of the bubble, I don't think I'm a better shooter than Chris Lofton. And I don't think I might be third or fourth now. I'm getting passed up, guys.
1: You are nothing if if not humble, for sure. Uh, that's that's <laughs> very obvious. You keep referencing your relationship with Coach Nagy, which is clearly a very strong one. I want to go back to last year because we talked a little bit about how much success you've had at Wright State. You mentioned the five championships. You guys were a buzzsaw last year, to be honest with you. And we have this little tournament that we do. It's called the Jerome, where everyone picks their conference champions, okay? And I remember out of the horizon, a lot of us picked Wright State. You lost to Mil- – I did too, Taylor. It's, it was a lot of us. But you lost to Milwaukee last year after going 16-4 and four in conference. What was the main reason in your estimation, Clint, for that loss You're coming up a little short there?
2: Man, I mean, to be completely honest, I, I still can't figure it out. Um, because we were in such a good spot and, and almost to, you know, to kind of flip it to a positive, uh, you know, kind of the same thing, Northern Kentucky, our, 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 our championship game this year, things can change in an instant. And that game against Milwaukee, we, we just kind of emotionally fractured. And once that happens, you know, if you don't put the pieces back together, you don't get on the same page emotionally you know, anything can happen, especially when that team who has the lead gets a little tight. Uh, and that certainly happened to us last year. Um, and, and and just kind of going back to the game, every little thing that could go wrong went wrong. Um, but it's one of those things as a, as a coach. And if you coach long enough, and I haven't been doing this, you know, that long, but you just know you're going to have a handful of wins that you probably just didn't quite deserve based on how you played. And then you're going to have, unfortunately, just a handful of losses that you're going to sit back and look like, you know, how how did that happen? How can that be possible? Um, So, you know, to to kind of fast forward to this year with this group of kids and a lot of those guys were on that team to kind of fight through some of that emotional. Like our, our first round game against Oakland, we were down late in the second half and it was at home and you could kind of feel that anxiousness in the air with our crowd and just like, Oh my goodness, here we go again, uh, to kind of fight and and climb and, and scrap and get over that hurdle uh, makes the winning and this journey this year with this group of kids, even that more impactful and rewarding.
1: Just real quick before we let Taylor jump in here again, how much pressure, I mean, you are a mid-major expert on the floor and on the sidelines. How much added pressure is it really for these kids and even the coaching staff where those, were those, I don't know, shortcomings maybe a little bit more magnified because you're not a power school that's probably going to get uh, an at-large bid? You probably have to win your conference tournament. Does that play in at all?
2: Yeah, I, I think it does. Um, you know, we, we've been in a position now the last few years to be competing for a regular season title. So you kind of carry that that weight through January, February, and then into March. And, and I think not so much – you know, obviously the, the, you know, you don't want to make the say tournament and that, but you, you had the added pressure of being the best team in the league and kind of carrying that reputation and having that target on your back. So I think it's a combination of factors. Uh But, but I think thankfully we've gotten to the point where we we've kind of understood that dynamic. Um But yeah, it, it's, it's always there. You're, you're always aware of it and it just builds and builds and builds. So again, when, when you can get it done, and you find a way, it's it, it's just uh, an experience of a lifetime, for sure.
0: Terrence kind of stealing my question out from under me here, but I'll, I'll phrase it in a somewhat different form here. So obviously last year you had an absolute stud in Loud and Love on your team, a multiple-time player of the year. Um, you, know, you had the target on your back last year. This year you were a little bit more of the hunter than the hunt did. Are there some things specifically you tell your team or Coach Nagy tells your team, like, going into the tournament in terms of preparation and things like that, that differ from year to another when you are the hunted versus the hunter, or is it always next game up, next game up, next game up?
2: Yeah, I I don't think it was necessarily anything specifically we said, but there was a different feel. There's no question in in terms of coming in as a four seed versus the one seed last year, uh, there was a different feel, Um, but you know, the, there is always just the pressure that you carry with it, but I think in, in terms of kind of, I mean, this year was hard. We we started off two and seven, and 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 it was just a hard for a number of different reasons. Off the floor, on the floor, just battled a ton of adversity. You guys hear it all the time from coaches. It, it, everybody goes through it, but I do think through our journey, we were really prepared uh, for these moments down the stretch uh, where where it was on the line. We we kind of just. It galvanized so many relationships within our locker room. I think our guys handled it appropriately throughout the course of the year, not not deflecting and not blaming, but owning it. Um, And it it just showed up for us down the stretch.
1: I
3: know we're going to have some questions about this year's uh, process and what you're preparing for. I do want to go back to 2018, and I hope the Wright State website did not fail me again on this question, but you got there in 2016, (laughs) right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you were there. You were there in 2018 when you guys last major tournament. You, you had that. You were 14 seed. You played Tennessee in the first round. You're in that quadrant region there with Loyola, Chicago, Sister Jean and Miami. I've always wondered because I, I've heard the process from coaches. The preparation that they have is they got it. They have a couple scouts or a couple of assistants focused on one potential opponent versus another potential opponent. But, I mean, you guys are a 14 seed at that point. I'm not trying to throw your system under the bus or anything or have you reveal trade secrets to me. But what is that like in terms of preparing for a a pod like that, going into a tournament where you don't know what's going to happen next?
2: Yeah, it's the best, quite honestly. I mean, you know, there's – um, you know, we, we divvy up scouts individually. So we have three assistants who we just go every third game. Every guy is kind of in that routine and cycle. Um, uh, but once you find your opponent, that anticipation right afterwards, you go back to the office, you meet as a staff, uh, and you kind of divvy up responsibility, who has what team, and then you go to work. Uh, you know, like, uh, I think, uh, we, you know, the few of us just stay the night, uh, you know, that first selection show that night, that evening, you're just watching film all day so you can start the prep with the team the following morning. Um, but, you know, just to be honest, you know, because the locker room for our players and the camaraderie, right, and all all the just the fun of the fight, we, we have it as coaches. So, you, you know, you, you find out who you're playing and then it's immediately right into that mode. Um, and we're all game planning and talking over what we have to do. And on top of the fact, you know, then you're dealing with travel plans and just all the excitement anticipation that you guys understand from kind of that fan standpoint, we really feel it and sense that it kind of fuels just kind of how we do our job, uh, with our players and the excitement that, you know, just kind of being in that moment. Um, so I, I think our process is probably pretty similar, but, but I think, Coach Nagy, our staff, certainly back then, it's just like a, a fun aspect feeling to it for sure. So follow up to that, that losers like us would probably never have insight to, but
3: are you guys all staying? So whoever you're playing, you're in the you're playing in Dallas for that. Are you all staying in the same hotel as all the other teams? Or are you seeing them in the lobby getting coffee in the morning? What, what's that
1: like?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I think they divvy it up by seed. So the, the better the seed, the better the hotel. Really, um, is that true? Yeah. And I I think that might not be true, Um, uh, but I, I that was kind of my understanding of it. Um, and, and look, thinking back to where we're, well, at let's in do Dallas, it. Then. I don't remember. I remember you
3: guys were where did you guys stay? You were 14 seed, we can work backwards. Uh, you. Were you in like a comfort aid or a, something, or were you Laquita? in America? No,
2: it, it was really nice. It's right, definitely not mean. to that extreme, so <laughs> I, I don't think it's like they're penalizing the 14 seed, but um. Yeah, I don't remember. It was a really nice hotel. So maybe I'm wrong on that.
1: I'll tell yeah. you what, Clint. If you need us to release our hyenas on the NCAA to get you some nice lodging, don't hesitate to go. reach out. All right? I think we got about 500 or so followers, so we're small but mighty.
2: All right. I know where to find you guys.
1: And I'll tell you this. You you mentioned this one-liner that caught my attention. I love it. When you're a head coach, it's going to be Clint Sargent, quote, fan of the fight. I love that. I don't know if you guys caught that fan of the fight is so perfect, Clint, but we talked a little bit about the scouting that the shark had brought up. Now you've clinched already. A lot of conference tournaments are still going on a lot. We see on Sunday, a lot of teams will have clinched and then go straight to the locker room to watch selection Sunday. What are some advantages and disadvantages of having this week? to prepare? Are you afraid of rust or do you want the rest? Like what are some advantages, disadvantages of clinching in the horizon?
2: Yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a good question. I think, um, for us at our level, you know, I, I think the, the conference tournament is such an emotional kind of mountain you climb. I, I think the rest post conference tournament for mid majors is really good. I think it's really healthy just to kind of get yourself back. Um, to neutral, and, and then also from that standpoint, how big a deal the conference term is is, and, and to win it, to just be able to enjoy a few days uh, in the moment and, and rest in a little bit, and and just soak it up because it's it you know you're so, you know process driven. What's next? What's which is so healthy for coaches, but at some point you got to just you know relax a little bit and get get out of that thinking for just a little bit. And, and I think that the break allows us to do that, which I think is very healthy for our players, our coaches. Um, You know, so I think for us, it's a good thing. I don't think our practices like today, we we did what we call legs and lungs day. There's no live, but it's a lot of running, some free throws, some skill development. Tomorrow we'll go hard and and short. I mean, we, we practice 45 minutes, but they're competitive uh, and then we'll take Saturday off and then Sunday, you know, Sunday morning will be an easy practice. Guys will be juiced. They'll be ready to go. Um, so really, you know, the, I think the days are are managed and are inappropriate for us.
0: So speaking of Sunday, then, what is the game plan for Selection Sunday? Are you guys all getting around in the gym, watching? What's what's that look like? I know you guys have been through it before, or at least the coaching staff has. So, how, you know, are you going to do anything differently this time than last time? Or what do you think that, that day is going to look like?
2: Yeah, I think as of right now, we're going to practice uh, probably late morning, uh, you know, get done with that then we'll go eat. Our athletic director is going to have our, our whole team, staff, families over uh, for afternoon kind of dinner. Uh, and then we'll head over to our student union, uh, which which our environment, our last selection show was, was, was perfect. Uh, it'll be packed. And, and there's just, you know, those moments where you can, you know, just kind of see the enjoyment for your fan base, your administrators, your families. Uh, and again, just kind of soak up the moment. And then because once you find out uh, who you're playing, it, it be, for us as a staff and our players, then like we talked about earlier, then it inserts, OK, competitive you, kind of that pressure that you feel. Uh, so it changes. Uh, so up until that point, it'll be kind of just more uh, the celebration of it, uh, the excitement of it. And then once you find out, it, it, it's game on.
1: So word of advice, you don't have to worry about this because you already know you're in. But when we spoke with Matt, obviously your good friend Matt Gaton's from Drake, last year they were a bubble team, right? They heard their name get announced and obviously euphoria ensues. But I asked him, I was like, hey, did any of you guys like catch in the moment who you were playing? So <laughs> like you're you're so happy. And then right right after that, Greg Gumble's gonna say, and they get so and so out of this conference. So I mean, are you guys obviously you, you you're gonna have your name called Will someone, is someone dedicated to make sure that they catch who the opponent's going to be?
2: Yeah, that, that's probably a good point. We, we may need somebody on that. Um, you know, thankfully, um, you know, we, our staff's been through this before. So I think, not that we won't be, you know, through the roof excited, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think you know, it's amazing how many cameras you just have on you. Uh, So again, to circle back to just to kind of watch your players in the moment and make sure you're getting all the information. But, but again, the kind of after the fact, because you're, you're taking in so much information, but after the fact to just be able to go back and kind of soak in the memories um, you know, that, that's probably the best part about. And then obviously you got to figure out who you're playing. Hopefully we catch that.
1: And so you're, you're, you're a perfectionist. You talk about the preparation, but right now, it could go into that bucket of a disadvantage of having an entire week. Have you been doing any sort of like bracketology, crunching numbers to see who could even be a potential opponent? Because right now, it's really up in the air. But has there has there been anything where you're like, well, maybe it could be this team, maybe it could be that team, or is it just we have no idea?
2: Yeah, no, no, there's certainly some of that just in terms of comparing numbers. I think more just seed line is kind of a big conversation amongst our staff and, and NET and your Kempom and just how your numbers stack up to who already is in the field and then potentially who who could kind of move that line over the weekend. Uh, and, you know, that that's what our staff did a lot of the, the morning uh, is kind of having some of those conversations. You know, stuff you dream of, all, all conversations you, you just hope to be having this time of year. Um, so, yeah, we're certainly – uh, having all those conversations.
3: So right to, to the average guy, right? So this game's gonna happen at some point next week. You know, you're gonna be sitting on the bench somewhere nervous as hell, probably anxious as hell, ready to get this thing rolling. I'm gonna be at a bar probably drinking beers. The TV's gonna go on whether it's true TV, CBS, whatever it is, and we're gonna look at it, and it's gonna flash across saying right state basketball. And they, depending on what the program is, they're going to give you the three keys. This is what they do well. This is what they don't do well. In your assessment, what should we know about Wright State basketball? What are you guys going to bring to the table? Are, are you going to be bringing it up and down? I don't want you to give away trade secrets again, like I alluded to earlier, but wh- wh- who are you? Who are you? And what can we expect oh, to see?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, that I, you know, I enjoy that question because I get to speak to kind of. Uh, not you know, just kind of who we are, what we pride ourselves on, and Coach Nagy's been a defensive guy forever, you know. So, defensive rebounding, uh, you know, the 50 the 50 balls, the hustle play, all that is really ingrained in who we are. Uh, I, I think uniquely for us, we, we love to throw the ball into the post and play for the post. Um, uh, that's always kind of been part of our DNA. You mentioned Loud Love, uh, he was one of our great bigs. Grant Pasilli, Tanner Holden, we, we, we post our guards, you know, we have a, a great point guard, Trey Calvin. We'll post him some. Uh, and, and, you know, for, for how we prep and do that, we play one on, we have a drill called one-on-one TFZ and, and all that is the TFZ stands for the 10 foot zone. Uh, and that's basically just the charge circle. Right. But we, we want to be great in that area because we think that that area has more impact on winning than any other area. Uh, so we, we do one-on-one and we just start right from there. So it's just you versus another guy. And and we just, we wanna be great there defensively, uh, protect the rim. We wanna be great, finish around the basket, get into the paint, uh, cause you get to the free throw line and, and all that equates to winning. Uh, so hopefully when you, when you guys are all tuned in to, to watch and uh, you kind of notice that paint, uh, interior presence. Uh from all one through five, whoever's on the floor is that kind of mindset we're we're gonna get to the rim. Um, but we you know, we have a good offensive team. That the kind of the knock is we haven't been great defensively this year, as good as what we've been in the past. I think the last three years when we won the regular season title, we've been first or second in the league defensively. Uh but we're 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 pretty tough to stop offensively this year. Um and and again, that's just kind of that, that mentality that we're we're going to attack the room. We're going to get to the paint.
0: So would you say that this is a typical coach Nagy team and how does that adjust year by year, you know, given who you, who you've recruited, obviously you're trying to recruit to your style over and over again. Right. But how does it, how does it ebb and flow year by year? Uh, you know, is this a typical coach Nagy team or, you know, how, how, how are your feelings on that?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. You know, we, we run motion uh, in, in in motion, uh, always takes shape to our personnel. Uh, so South Dakota state, you guys mentioned all the three point shooting. We always had, uh, five guys on the floor who could handle a pass it, and shoot it. And, you know, the three point shot was always a big part of our offense. And, and once we got to right state, we, you know, our best player was loud love and that kind of transformed, uh, you know, a lot of what we did within our motion offense, getting the ball to the paint, uh, and that's where kind of the TFZ one-on-one started, and and now you know, uh, you know our, our motion, our our how we how we score the ball always comes with our personnel, uh, and based on who who can score it, we you know based on the principles of uh, you got to be able to defend and rebound. Those five guys are bought into that 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 main thought to get on the floor first. So anybody who's on the floor, we, we know their right mind in terms of they're going to guard, rebound. And then we, we just try to cut them loose offensively based on where their strengths are at. And and uh, that, that's been a good equation for us.
1: We've mentioned his name multiple times at this point, and I was saving this towards the end for more lighthearted questions. But I can't do it. I'm champing at the bit right now. Shark, take yourself off mute. I'm about to put you on the spot. Talked about Loud and Love. Are you a Lee Bryce fan? Clint, have you ever heard the song Hard to Love by Lee Bryce?
2: Yeah, I have. I have. Yeah, I'm a country guy.
1: So the shark has a remix here.
2: Well, I wasn't
3: prepared for this, but it's going to go
1: loud and love, loud and love.
3: That's pretty much it. (laughs) That'll get stuck in your head for a while, too. But while I have this, the mic again right now, I do want to ask, because you keep bringing up the TFZ. I love it. I've made a note of it already. Is that something that you, the players... Are just dreading when you guys show up for one of those forty five minute hell practices that you have, and uh, you know I'm looking at your roster and you you referenced him earlier, but Grant Basilli this guy seems like he can eat eat up the t f c and he he's the identity of someone that does it great for you guys yeah you
2: know i I think they I actually, and you can only ask them, but I think they, they enjoy it. I think they embrace it. it, it it's just, you know, we do it right at the beginning of practice. We, we got to go through our defensive fundamentals closeouts and we're right into one-on-one, two-on-two. And, you know, when you're, when you're trying to show up for practice every day through a six month season, you know, you, you can't help but be ready. If you know it's going to be one-on-one from, you know, five feet from the basket, like, you have to show up so i think there's a healthy part of that that our guys embrace and look forward to uh and you mentioned grant you know he, he's such a he has such the body just to be a nightmare down there because he's long he has good touch he has good timing uh, around the basket uh so you know you can kind of see guys it's hilarious when we start lining up you know you got two teams it's one-on-one you know guys who are trying to find that matchup that's a little favorable for them so i think you know probably a lot of guys are trying to see where Grant's at and maybe they'll go to the other line. It's like a basketball Oklahoma drill. That's kind of what I'm picturing it as right now. That's exactly right. You got it.
1: Residing in a football state like Ohio is, that's a good reference, but Southwest Ohio has a really nice tradition and culture of hoops. Down there, I want to expand and talk about maybe some other teams in that general area. You said uh, you lived in Springboro for a little bit. I think Maverick Morgan, a former Illinois big man, he's from Springboro. You mentioned Kettering. I think Luke Kennard's from there. I might be getting them mixed up, but they're Southwest Ohio guys when you look at your general area, you got Northern Kentucky, who's not even, or not just over the border, but in your uh, conference, you have Cincinnati, you have Xavier, you have Dayton. Is there any bad blood between those, those schools?
2: Yeah, I do know. Bad blood. I, I don't, I'm sure there is amongst fan bases, but, but as a coach uh, it, it's just fun because the, the care is there uh, and then just the tradition amongst so many different Programs and universities, um, you know, and and us for specifically there's not a you know professional team in Dayton. It's hoops and the community, the fan bases, uh, they love good basketball. So when you can win, uh, it's a lot of fun because you know your 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 players are going to experience it. Uh, They're going to feel that excitement and that that um, you know just people care about what they're doing. And I, I think a lot of universities don't quite have that, but this area. Uh, you know, makes it interesting in recruiting. You recruit against a lot of the same schools. It's competitive, but also to that regard, there's just more players in there because again, the tradition, they grow up watching so many different teams. uh, It it just makes for the job just to be, um, you know, more fun and exciting that way.
0: So you bring up recruiting and especially in your area. So how do you guys go about, Um, you know, recruiting in your area, how far out do you go from your general area when you recruit and do you guys, you know, can you share a little bit of the philosophy that not only coach Nagy has, but you have, and how you divvy all that up between assistants?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, we, we, we divvy it up by state. Uh, so I, I recruit, uh, the state of Ohio, uh, we have an assistant who recruits, um, Wisconsin and Michigan, and then we also have an assistant who recruits Illinois uh, and Indiana. So we want to divvy up, um, you know, the bordering states for sure, Uh, and then anything outside of that, like if there's a kid, maybe in Iowa, Nebraska, Upper Midwest, where maybe I have a little bit more uh, contacts. And obviously, you you can always kind of go outside of that, but we want to be great, uh, specifically in Ohio uh, and the surrounding states. Um, and then for us, in terms of how we value and what we look for, uh, you know, the intangible, just the character piece is, is something uh, that, that's very important to us. We, we just we feel like if we can get that right, uh, that that always speaks to not always, but if you're going to develop a kid, the character piece has to be there if you're going to get all of their potential. Uh, and then on the floor, we, we love kids who can handle it, pass it, and shoot it because obviously we, we run motion, uh, and we just feel like if we can get high-character kids who have a skill set, we're going to bring them in and, and we're going to do all the tough stuff. We're just going to demand uh, at a high level and hold them accountable to defending and rebounding. Um, and Like we said earlier, once we get that that core group of guys who believe in that, and they have that, that um, just that filter and that discipline to be great defensively. You let those five guys who already know how to handle a pass and shoot it and they're unselfish because they're great kids. Um, you know, it's a pretty good recipe by the time it cuts to this point, you know, what we're coaching is not a ton, like they take over the team. And, and if you paid attention to coach Nagy and kind of some of his quotes this time of year, we'll give them the scout, we'll give them the information. But at this point, uh, you know, we're not doing much, like we're not over coaching our guys. They, they know what to do. It's just, can you handle the moment emotionally? And that's probably where we just come alongside them. Uh, but if if you can get the right character, um, it, it's amazing what they'll take over if if you'll let them. Uh, if if you kind of relinquish some of that and, and I, you know, you can see so many coaches kind of just get so control happy, which I fell into, we fall into all the time. But in our perfect sense, if we can just kind of relinquish that control to a group of guys who you can entrust, uh, it usually ends ends well
1: some of the best coaching jobs that we keep an eye on are at the middle major level. And if you have a sustained record of success over the past five, six years, which you clearly have, I'm also thinking about a guy, uh, I think is Matt Langle at Colgate. They've been terrific, Mm -hmm. right? So some of the guys that's, that's clearly the criteria and the right recipe for success that you're adhering to and bringing in uh, the, the the best players that that you guys make work for right state. So we've we've waxed quite a bit on Wright State, which I'm glad about. Have you kept an eye out, though, on another AQ, your alma mater? Have you taken a look at South Dakota State recently?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I stay in touch um, with some of their staff. And, and you know, I haven't played there. My wife played there. My in-laws are from South Dakota. And South Dakota is kind of like some, you know, a big, small town. You know, everybody knows everybody. So certainly – keep tabs on them. Uh, they've had a heck of a year. They do a great job. Uh, and a lot of the same in terms of blueprint, in terms of what we just discussed, uh, I just have high character kids who are unselfish and so fun to watch. I mean, they, they really pass it. They really shoot it. Um, and, they shoot the you know, ever
1: living shit out of the ball. Clint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think broken, that, man.
2: Yeah. I think they're, uh, they might be first in, in just three point efficiency um so that that always equates to winning and then obviously for fans just a fun fun style to watch
1: yeah so since we're on south dakota state we have a little segment it's called where am i and also i open the program with i don't want to say random i don't want to say obscure but a former college basketball player that you know people know who tyler hansborough is right People know who Zion Williamson is, but what we try and do is go for the deep cuts. I'm going to sound like a hipster here. Who's basically saying you can't listen to this music. Cause I was listening to it five years ago, but one of our favorites amongst all three of us, Nate Walters, and that's a guy that made the NBA. That's a former teammate of yours. Can you really describe Nate Walters on the court and also off the court with the amount of time that you spent with him?
2: Oh yeah. I, I live with Nate. Uh, you know my my senior year his sophomore year and he he was you know and everybody says gym rat gym rat gym rat but but Nate was uh you know like Nate didn't feel comfortable without a ball in his hands he didn't feel comfortable if he didn't have that routine of getting in the gym and he he was such a simple college kid that just loved hoops uh, and he worked tirelessly at it and i mean it it just was all he cared about. Uh, he was such a great teammate. Um, and, and what, you know, the, the funny thing about Nate, and I remember this in so many pickup games, like, you know, got, you know, locker room and banter and and guys, you know, you spent so much time together and there's inevitably some fights, right. But Nate, his way, like taking it out on you, he would just embarrass you on the floor. And he would let you know about it and he'd be talking to you. And that that that's just kind of how he handled his business. You walk up the floor, it'd be over. You know, but he would make you feel, he just had the ability to make you feel so small on the floor. And what people don't know about Nate is just how good a defender he was. Um, but he he was such a special, you know, because that's right when we were kind of getting into after our transition, we had a little bit of success my senior year, his sophomore year, and then he just took off. And Nate had a ton to do with that and just kind of the demeanor, the mindset, his work ethic for sure.
0: So when you are watching your alma mater or, you know, maybe last year, a couple of the years that you guys didn't make the tournament, um, Is there a brotherhood of the mid-major in a way where you're watching, uh, you know, some of the other, you know, 14, 13, 14, 15, 16 seeds and rooting for them actively in the tournament? Or how do your rooting interests lie when you're a coach of a team? But obviously, we all love March Madness. So how does that work out for you?
2: Yeah, you know, when when you're not playing in it. Um, you know you certainly root for your your friends uh, the relationships you have in there any special interests you have uh, but for me individually if, if we're not in it I have a hard time watching so if, if we're not in the tournament uh, because it's so emotional and then you get to it and like this year like I'm watching every game possible right like I'm, I'm soaking it all in I'm listening to everything I'm watching everything if we lose on Tuesday night you know, I'm going dark for about a week and I'm not watching it, you know, and I wish it didn't have to be that way. Um, but that, that's kind of how I, I go through it. Um, but certainly a soft spot for a lot of the majors because I know there's so many coaches who are probably in a similar boat that I just described.
1: Let's take it all the way back here, Clint. I know we're bopping around a little bit, but I'm always fascinated when we get former players that played at a very high level D1 school I'm very curious about their recruiting process. Can you take us through who reached out to you? Which coaches came into your living room? What was that recruiting process like for senior, junior year Clint Sargent?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I, I think Coach Nagy's probably a little unique in his approach, and it, it's changed uh, over the years. But, you know, Coach Nagy, he, he's very to the point. And, you know, there's certain points where you're like, you know, is coach, is he recruiting me right now? Because he because he wants to be so honest with you. Uh, because, you know, I, we, we just believe that's the only way you can make a, a good decision. If you know the good, the bad, and everything in between. And so much of the recruiting process, uh, not for all, but I think it can just become a, you know, a salesman type pitch. You know, I think so many people see it as, and it is this certainly to a certain extent, it's like we have this. We wear this gear. All this is great all the time. This and that's why you see so many of the transfers. Uh, so, coach, to go to the other and protect some of that, he'll just be completely honest and and be completely transparent. Like if 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 you're uh, if you don't think this is going to be hard, or you, if you need us to be perfect for you, don't come to right state. Uh, if you need this this and this to just be all about you, don't come to right state. Uh, so it's a little bit different in terms of what I think most people think the recruiting process is. But I, I think for us, it, it's very uh, it just gives people who we are as men. Uh, and then that's the biggest decision these parents are trying to make is, OK, can I trust this coach's word? Uh, what type of man is he? What does he value? And, and that's what we want to give off to these kids, not necessarily. If you come here, it's just going to be roses all the time. You're not going to face adversity and it's not going to be hard. You know, we, we, we try to be very upfront. So when they do hit adversity, they're prepared for it in the sense that they're not, you know, like, wait a second, this isn't anything like you. So. Um. You know, I, I, I just thought, man, like there's something genuine about this approach that, you know, I trust. And it, it's ultimately allowed us to attract the right kids, the right parents. Um, and it, it's, it's not that we're just completely um, not exposed to transfers, but I think in terms of retainment, uh, you know, it certainly helps with that. So I don't want
0: to put you too much on the spot here but because the season is already over you know regular season I should say I don't think you'll offend anybody with your answer here so you you know at SDSU you played at the Marshall Center and right now uh you play at is it is it Nutter Arena Nutter the Nutter Center The is, Nutter Center the, the Nutter Center yeah, the which Nutter is a top 5 name in college basketball So obviously you're going to have a lot of bias towards how good of home atmospheres those are. Right. And rightfully so. Can you tell us over the course of your playing time or your coaching time, what were just some of the worst places that you had to go where you were just like, God, there's like eight people in the stands. It's 10 below wind chill. Like this is terrible. I hate going on this road
2: trip. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, you know, Centenary was a unique one. I think it's called the Golden Dome, uh, I think. You know, we, we always had a post thing. You know, we try to, every after every shoot around, we, we try to punt a ball to see if we could hit the top of the dome. Uh, but that that trip was always hard because when we were in the Summit League when I played, we would go from Centenary, Shreveport, all the way to Southern Utah for a Thursday-Saturday trip. Um, so the travel was a nightmare and neither, you know, center didn't draw very well at the time. Um, you know, it's compared to now in our league in the rising where everything's a bus trip, uh, for the most part. So that's definitely one that comes to mind.
1: That's funny. We always ask that. We always have to ask that because people will, will always ask like, what's the toughest place that you've played in? It's that's a good question. It's always interesting to figure Wait, out. Hold like, on, what's hold the on. Did, did I mess up, up for the name?
0: It. Did I mess up the name of South Dakota State's arena? Is it the Frost Arena now?
2: Yeah, it's Frost Is it now? That's a hard one to Yeah, I thought it's Frost Arena.
0: Oh, I said it was Marshall Center or something like that. Did I just quote did I just pick up the South Dakota arena name accidentally?
2: Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the Marshall hmm. where you where you got that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so, it's it's Frost what, Arena. I think they're they're actually um they're renovating. So maybe maybe that's the new name, Taylor. That's probably what you did.
0: Wow. Well, I'm uh, breaking news here on Theater and College Hoops.
1: <laughs> yeah, here on Theater and College Hoops, we got Wagner, assistant coach Clint Sargent. He used to play at the Marshall Center. All of that. We're just completely yeah, bungling. I'm this. the
2: fourth, yeah, fourth and three point shooting. But yeah, keeping track.
3: I, I heard they're gonna get the guy, the guy that did the Golden Dome, he's gonna come up and do the finish the renovation for you over there at the Marshall Center. So that's good. There you go.
1: There you go. Hey, Clint, we'll get you out of here on a few quick hitters, some light questions. Actually, this one comes from my brother-in-law because he's very curious. First and foremost, he claims that Southwest Ohio has the best wings in the country. Is this true?
2: Boy, uh, I, w- I would love to know the spot.
1: Frickers or roosters? Have you been to either of those?
2: You know what? I've heard, I've heard really big things about roosters, but I've not had them yet. So we'll have to check that out.
1: Okay. I will, I will tell him that he will be their, their biggest proponent. Um, and then in this last segment that we do, it's called bring him up on stage. Okay. So that's exactly how we got you from Matt. Anyone that you can recommend for us to reach out to you that you think would enjoy jumping onto the program and talking a little
2: hoops. Um, yeah, I would say Brian Cooley. He's an assistant coach at Colorado state. I spent numerous years uh, between here in South Dakota State with Brian. And he's, he, he's, in terms of knowledge of hoops, he's the best. Uh, he, he's a great conversation, very knowledgeable Um, and, and he's been a part of a ton of winning. So I think you guys would really enjoy just kind of his insight, his journey, um, because he, he's a great guy and has a ton to kind of offer the basketball world great
1: this segment is usually more of a ask for uh, for an apology first and then permission later because I may just be like hey Clint uh, can you help me reach out to to Brian can you text him for me is it best to DM so I may be tugging on your shirt there for a little bit because Clint
0: has
2: nothing going on this week that's right really I'll give it some time I'll give it some time yeah <laughs> yeah no that that'd be no issue at all that'd be great terrific
1: hey I will get you out of here last on this. One of your latest tweets is a beautiful photo of you and your family celebrating the horizon. You talked a little bit about it earlier in the program about taking some time unwinding, right? Tell us what that moment meant to you and describe that moment on the court with them.
2: Yeah. There's nothing like it between, you know, cause they, they, they feel the pressure like my, you know, maybe not my children, but my, my wife does. And they, they, they see, and I've always thought, and you know, I'd, I'd like to be better at this, but I think some days they get the worst part of my day. And that, that's uh, not how you'd like it as a father and a husband, but uh, to kind of go through the season and then kind of have that moment on the floor to celebrate, that's really special. Uh, and then also not only to share that with your family, but I tell you guys to see your players celebrate with their families and the joy and just the tears. Uh, that that's probably the highlight of being a coach right there. Um, So it's just one of those just perfect opportunities to to have and share all those moments. And and my wife thankfully captured that picture and it's one we'll have uh, for a lifetime.
1: Beautifully put Clint. Thank you so much again for jumping on. We really appreciate your time which I know is very valuable because you got to dance to prepare for Get that suit on, shine the shoes, baby, grease up those knees. You're dancing Clint. <laughs> so best of luck to you. Best of luck in the preparation and enjoy selections Sunday.
2: Thank you guys.
1: All right. We want to thank Clint Sargent. That was a, a blast. Truly, truly good, genuine guy that kind of exuded through the camera, through the microphone. I personally enjoyed it. Taylor. Uh, I know, I know you did as well. Yeah
0: well, i I didn't get the opportunity to apologize to him for not taking right state. And I feel like I am the right state guy of this program, considering how often I've talked about them over the several years that uh, we've had this going. And unfortunately, of course, the year that I don't take them to win the horizon is the year that we have one of their assistant coaches on. so i I, I guess if we're doing twenty twenty two, Second or third year of accountability here. That's on me for you know not pledging my allegiance to Right State just in perpetuity here.
1: Well, I appreciate the accountability. I would also like to say that or make a claim that Right State might be my guys. I'm the Southwest Ohio guys. That's where my heart lives. So- it might
0: be, they, yeah, yeah. They might be your guys now.
1: Shark with a, well, hold on. You didn't even pick
3: them in the Jerome. I picked them in the Jerome. I picked them in the Jerome. I picked like Right State. So they're both our guys, not Taylor's guys. I can agree with that.
1: That's right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess I was a Cleveland State guy for like six days, which is unfortunate because I literally uh, picked them multiple times over people the last several days. I, I know. I know. I, it's Listen, I'm not debating that. I'm not debating that at all.
1: I'm telling you, I picked them because like like water in the middle of the night, like ceviche, like some sushi, revenge, best served cold, and they got revenge. We talk a, We did talk a little bit about that. That was a blast. Shark, I like that Oklahoma drill corollary that you made there.
3: TFZ. I'm going to be running that if I'm ever coaching again. I love that. I'm going to be watching that whenever they're matched up. I know the bracketology right now has them playing in the playing game as a potential 16 seed. That's bullshit. They should know a little bit about the TFZ right here because that is a great drill. How many times can you watch this sport and see people, you know, barrel in and get a charge or not be able to move their feet or not be able to get a block shot or not be able to make a little baby hook. It, it's so crucial to the game. So it's almost like you're building it from the inside out. That's like the offensive line. And then you're getting all the other pieces that you build up around it. I, lo- I love the philosophy that they have over there. And I'm all in on Wright State, by the way, Clint, Clint Sargent. I mean, that's a shooter's name right there. All time name. <laughs> that is a shooter's name. I mean, it's like Jimmer Ferdet Fletcher McGee, Clint Sargent, uh, you don't want you don't want Clint Sargent dialing one up from the corner right there. So he was a
0: little coy about it, but at the end he may let it slip that they uh, may have expected to be playing in the playing game when they said if we lose Tuesday. Tuesday. He did make one Tuesday
3: reference in the 49th minute of this program. I mean, that's Lenardi. Lenardi did it. So blame Lenardi for that. I mean, uh, that guy is pushing out propaganda. That's making people change the way they're playing in their weekends. You know, Jerry, Jerry Palm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. Let me me tell you something. If you
1: adjust, if you adjust your game plan and the way you practice based off of like some five foot nothing butterball and Lunardi or a disheveled Jerry Palm, I, I don't know what to tell you. You got to be club. able to power through those guys.
3: Yeah. Honestly, that might be a good thing. You know where that playing
1: game is? Dayton.
3: There we home, go. home court, essentially. Yep.
1: yep. All right. Let's go ahead now and get to your bets, because there's not just theater in the conference tournaments. There's theater in Titch. Shark, Taylor, deadlocked at 18 and 12. Only so many more opportunities, but there's no way we can end this on a tie. So, Shark, I'm going to kick it to you. Give us some winners. Please, sir. I want some more. What? What? for more.
3: Thin slate right now. Taylor and I—we are recording this. It is late Thursday night. By the way, a little bit of credit for doing two podcasts this week's, huh? Audience, and for sit, the and for clap. the next several weeks, too. yeah, maybe a little slow clap back on that if you're listening over there. Well, What's hold on, ear? I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna interrupt you, Shark. So because we are tied, what but because we there? because we are yeah, fuck off. Because we are doing two a week uh, through the end of March here. Are we just going to keep the betting going pretty much through March Madness now at this point?
3: Why don't you just live in the moment? We'll figure it out. All right. Right now we're doing it. We're going to do two. We're going to do it each week as we keep going. All right. We're going to live in the moment.
0: Well, no, no, hold on, hold on. I know how this is going to go. You're going to go like three and oh one week. And then I'm going to go two and one. You're going to be like, ah, you know, this is a good week to just go ahead and stop it for the year. You know, like we have to have an end. We have to have an end goal here. I trust you guys. I trust
1: you guys to come to the right conclusion. I will be the arbitrator if you need to come to me, the judge. Uh, So you let me know, but I trust you guys.
3: Yeah. Uh, It seems like personal issues you got to work out on your end over there, but we are tied at 18 and 12 on the year. So crunch the numbers on that percentage. That's pretty damn good right now. 18 and 12 uh, mainly the shark has just been red hot. uh, And and on Wednesday nights in January and February and going into March, but Taylor and I are kind of limited right now because a lot of the spreads are not out. There's a million games going on right now. A lot of games are going to be sorted out, but there are a few. So I'm going to go with three. My first one is in the Big Ten. Rutgers getting seven and a half for some reason. I, I know Iowa won by 400 today. All right, I know that happened. But the, to me, they're still Iowa. All right, they're still Iowa. They're better defensively this year. They're a little bit more rounded. Uh, well-rounded, but I just like this Rutgers team with the senior leadership with with Harper. I like Mokahi. You know, I just like this team. Seven and a half is way too much, especially for a team that was seated higher in Rutgers. Next, Kansas, seven and a half. I am guilty of picking Kansas both times against the spread against TCU. They did in the past two games that they played, they didn't cover either of them. The one that they had at home, they were favored by like 14 points, didn't cover that one. They lost in TCU as well. This time, seven and a half, I just like Kansas. This is this is the time for them to get rolling. TCU just played a tough one against Texas today. I'm going with Kansas. Kansas blew out West Virginia today. And my final one, this makes me sick to do it, but sometimes you just have to ride the wave with them. Providence is favored by three. They're playing Creighton. It's going to be nuts at Madison Square Garden on a Friday night with Providence as the number one overall seed against a not very good team in Creighton that they should beat. I'm not too impressed with Creighton. I know they're all pissed off about Cal Brenner winning the defensive player of the year in the Big East over Mania. Um, Mania had a huge block in the game against Butler earlier today. I just think that's way too low. I think Providence is going to roll on Friday night, and they're going to be in for a collision course with either Villanova or UConn on Saturday. So Rutgers,
0: Providence,
1: Kansas. Good picks. Taylor.
0: Well, given the fact that there are only 10 games that are currently – on the schedule or that have odds. It's pretty uh, interesting that we didn't pick any of the same ones. So good for us on that. Um, The first game I'm going to go with is, uh, you know, a team that I've talked about all year that I really like, and that's Arkansas over an LSU team that always sneaky, just hangs around in every game. It seems like Arkansas favored by one and a half uh, over LSU. I like Arkansas by one and a half in that game. Uh, Same time slot, different conference. I'm going to roll with the Bonnies, a one-and-a-half-point underdog against the Billikens. Uh, Bonnies were, as uh, the Providence Crier uh, talked about on their last episode, you know, their preseason-ranked team, a team that uh, was a pretty popular pick to win that conference tournament as well. Uh, I'm going to roll with the Bonnies on that, especially as underdogs. And then third, and definitely not uh, least—actually, they are definitely the worst team of the three that I'm picking, though—is uh, is Temple— over Tulane temple, uh, 17 and 11 against the spread this year. And it's a pick them against a team that finished under 500. So I'm going to always take the team that finished well over 500 against a team under 500 in a neutral site, especially as a pick'em here. So we're going to go temple. We're going to go Arkansas and we're going to go
1: Bonnie's. Beautiful stuff. Let's see how it shakes out. What was your favorite moment? If you had to choose one shark from conference tournament play thus far.
3: Coach Earl Grant, Boston college, put it, put stand I'm not doing the buzzer beaters, but we got the buzzer beater. Our guy, NCAA buzzer beaters. Yeah, he's got all that, right? That's his, that's his territory. I'm not going out to his turf. So, there's obviously the great one with Chattanooga. Virginia Tech had one, a lot of great buzzer beaters. I like Coach Earl Grant. Actually, Sue, thanks for bringing that up because we got a blog now. I wrote a blog about this. Now that we have our website going, I wrote a blog about Boston College finally turning the corner. I value the last eight minutes of a game. You can you can really tell a lot about a team. There's no fake runs that are going to run someone off. You can really tell us a lot about people that can withstand those runs, face some adversity, correct course, and win a game. Coach Earl Grant did that, with the exception against Miami. That wasn't his fault, but I like I like the course of run.
1: T, did you have a favorite thus far? Well,
0: uh, I guess if we're not allowed to choose buzzer beaters, I guess it's not David Jean Baptiste uh sending his team to the tournament on a 40-foot jumper, which 35-footer, which was completely dope. Um
1: that's shark's rule, by the way. Who who's to say that you can't that choose was, a buzzer beater? That, that was you. And, I'm, I'm and, just looking and, out for my guy,
3: NCAA buzzer beaters. That's my point.
0: And, and if be I also. You.
1: Matt Nagy's play sheet.
0: Yeah. And if I also can't pick buzzer beaters, I guess it won't be ASU losing to Stanford on a buzzer beater either. Actually know what I will say, if I may be poetic about this for a moment, it's just the best thing I've seen thus far is that we're having real conference basketball tournaments, not like last year's sterile or previous years, lack of version of it last year. You know, don't get me wrong. We had the tournament last year. We had the conference tournaments, but something I was thinking about uh, just today is that, you know, Oregon, Got to buy, essentially. Uh, who who were they supposed to play last year in the tournament first round that uh, they got like COVID Bonings, eliminated? I think Bonings. yeah or no? Right? Yeah, was it? Uh, I can't even remember. But the fact that we're not having to deal with that this year, and the fact that we have real tournaments. And I guess if we're going to talk about like the most entertaining moment of the conference tournament so far, it was, uh, what was the brawl in the stands a night before last? Oh, that was the
1: NEC Bryant and Wagner.
0: My boys, Bryant and your boys, Wagner. Uh, so yeah, something I've never seen before in a conference tournament.
1: Absolutely crazy. It, it definitely wasn't the Bonnies because I'm pretty sure the Bonnies got smacked by LSU. Oregon did get a win over a team that had to forfeit, though. I, I, I need, need to know that, Shark. You're the one that knows the exact placement of the brackets, the matchups of years previous. If you could pull that off uh, out of your ass, that'd be great. Top left, VCU. Got it. No problem. VCU. That's what it was. I knew it was an A-10 team. I knew it was an A-10 team.
0: Hold on. Can I interrupt you real quick just because Shark brought this up? Shark do you know which part of the bracket that the last three NCA champions have come from top? Right. Next top question. right. Top
1: right. <laughs> he's good. He's, he's kind of got that rain man, sort of John Nash type of deal, but when it comes to, to bracketology, so that's nice to have on our staff here as well. I think the my favorite part thus far, because it just got such a good belly laugh. One of those, are you kidding me? Are you this delusional? Are you this out of touch? Uh, was Jim Beheim's reaction to his son Buddy Beheim's punch? Buddy Bayheim very clearly punched the player, and he got suspended for the next game. But right after the game, in Beheim's press conference, the guys, the reporters asked him about it, and he said, "Oh well, uh, well, Buddy got pushed, and you can't just let people push you around. I saw what happened. It seemed pretty inadvertent." He didn't get pushed. This was just a, an attempt to box out. And then Buddy Bayheim got pissed and punched the guy. Credit to Buddy, who seems to be the only adult, mature adult in this situation. He's the one that actually issued an apology to Florida State's uh, player. He got suspended. I don't think I've heard anything from him. But Jim Bayheim is just straight up denying it. And he got called out on it by uh, one of the reporters as well. Good for that reporter.
0: I think Jay Billis had an even worse take than Jim Bayheim
1: So stupid. So stupid. Jay Billis, yeah, he basically said, well, because they didn't call it on the court, he shouldn't be suspended by the letter of the law. It's like, dude, use a shred of common sense and understand what, what's happening. Like, it, you're so rigid. You're such a slave to the laws that you're not going to suspend him when he clearly should be.
0: You know, it's not of Jay Billis's character to be a hypocrite about how he feels about certain rules, whether they apply to teams he likes or not. So, let me go ahead and say this as not—this uh, is not a statement from the program, but from Taylor. And that's fuck Jay Billis because this is literally like a weekly thing for the last years. Being I mean, like, oh, I guess I only feel about this, uh, you know, because it's a team I do or do not enjoy covering. So, fuck you.
1: Be careful. This downstream impact might get us Jay Billis on the program, and I will be playing that clip. All right. Who knows? Good, good. All right, good. Maybe we can have it out with Jay Billis. A uh, lot of good theater this past week. It only gets better moving forward, and the games only get more tense. The Shark BC season over. Congratulations on, on a good good little run there in the ACC, but you know what? You got the balls now. That's going to be stressful. Two-team life, baby. Two-team. Hey, I'm, I'm not going to fight it. You actually went there. I have an issue with people who didn't actually step foot on the campus. But Taylor, we got Arizona Kirk to worry about. All of you guys, your favorite teams, you, it, the, the anxiety and the sweat, it's only going to mount from here. Okay. It's elimination basketball, but enjoy it. Enjoy the rest of your week by this time, by the next time we are in your earlobes. Okay. We're going to have a bracket, have fun on selection Sunday. It's the holy day. We're going to try and do a, what is it? A Twitter spaces. We'll see how that plays out. So stay tuned. But again, want to thank Clint Sargent for jumping on. Thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.
2: The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea with a rollicking song. He sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black moustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold, and the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won.